0: One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. So connect with us on social media. And let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. Follow us on Twitter at Cooper McKim and at WY Public Radio with the hashtag Carbon Valley Pod. It's December of 2019. Dimensional Energy needs to set up in Wyoming in the next few months if they're going to collect enough data to compete. I've been waiting for some text or call saying, hey, we're coming out. Since I left Ithaca, though, the challenges this team is facing have just become more intense. In fact, a new question has begun to bubble to the surface. Can Dimensional afford to stay in the Carbon X Prize at all? Let's rewind the VHS tape. Hello. Hey, it's Cooper.
1: Hi, Cooper. How you doing?
0: Good. Long time.
1: Yeah. Where are you at? Are you still in, you in Wyoming right now? Yeah. In the Weather?
0: Yep. It's snowing where it was, and it's on the ground now. I've been talking with Brad Brennan a bit since returning from New York. A person I've come to know as a sort of anti-Jason. It's a real yin and yang situation. Where Jason is eternally optimistic and hard-pressed to admit challenges, Brad is quick to see problems and identify what could go wrong. He's also the only other member of Dimensional's leadership team, as head of R&D. Remember, he got into this business to make a difference in the world. Not for the pay or the hours, which have been rough.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's probably just working 50, 60-hour week, something like that. It's just about what I expected.
0: Brad would like to be working on developing their catalyst, hiring more people, doing R&D on their tech. But he has been very busy doing other stuff.
2: If we could have to spend all of our time doing stupid XPRIZE stuff that seems to be taking forever, we would have done it already.
0: Brad is tackling a bunch of XPRIZE-related tasks, like figuring out how and where to get equipment to demonstrate in Wyoming whether they're really going to have to run their demonstration
2: for 24 hours.
0: A rule which puts solar teams at a disadvantage, given the sun doesn't shine 24 hours a day.
2: So they're asking us for something that's technically an impossibility, and I don't know why that's even a rule uh, in this case.
0: There's actually a much bigger problem, too, with really no good fix at this point. Brad is struggling to nail down how Dimensional will get their carbon dioxide from the Wyoming power plant. My impression was they would just show up and plug in, use the carbon dioxide directly from the flue gas that's emitted from burning coal. The hope in building the ITC, after all, is to attract companies that can do something with the CO2 right here. Help maintain the viability of the coal industry through that effort. But it turns out it's not that easy. They actually have to purify that flue gas first.
2: Only a small number of technologies can just literally take like dirty smoke and turn it into something that's of value (laughs) without having a large amount of waste uh, that's hard to get rid of. So when it comes down to, um, I would say, what's expected from all the companies, it's completely unrealistic.
0: Brad isn't thrilled that they have to purify their own flue gas at this early level in their tech's development. He says if they were scaled up and working on a $20 million project, it might be a more manageable expense. Or maybe they would pay some provider per ton of CO2. But at this young stage, Brad wishes the competition would have helped.
2: Well, we're trying to build a system for half a million dollars, and then they tell us that we need to buy another half a million dollar CO2 purification system on top of that, just, just for that aspect of the chemistry. just makes a, It makes it a little bit more of a nightmare for us to figure out how we're going to do that on our budget. They knew or should have known that half the companies coming in are going to be utilizing semi-purified carbon dioxide from the flue gas just because that's the way that every technology out there is, is built on right now.
0: I checked with each competitor and found out three of the five companies actually do need purified carbon dioxide. Carbon Prize lead Marcus X. says they did know teams needed purified CO2, but providing it has never been part of the competition. He says they did consider providing it as a service to help teams test and get their systems up and running, but it didn't happen. Plus, Marcus considers it a strength if a team doesn't need to purify its CO2. Like the UCLA team, CO2 concrete. That would mean less cost and arguably more immediate economic viability. Anyway, Brad and Dimensional are looking now to find a way to do it themselves in order to, you know, have a functioning demonstration in Wyoming. But it could be pricey, real pricey.
2: We think that was a major mistake on their, on their behalf that basically causes a logistical nightmare for these companies that, you know, are, don't have an extra half a million dollars to spend to get, you know, processed flue gas to their to their site.
0: A couple weeks go by, and I'm not sure what the plan is. Are they going to come to Wyoming? Will this purification problem become a bigger issue? Then I get a cryptic text from Jason, out of the blue. We should talk. Some dark night of the soul for DE, as in dimensional energy. Will they actually make it? I call Jason right away. What does he mean, will they actually make it? Is Dimensional about to drop out of the carbon X-Prize? From Wyoming Public Media, this is Carbon Valley. Following the race to develop an unlikely climate solution. I'm Cooper McKim. It's early 2020. Dimensional energy is facing an existential question. Should they continue to compete in the Carbon X Prize? Meanwhile, questions emerge about the value of competitions in moving a field forward. Recently, my life has been pretty static. I've been stuck inside one of our retro looking studios with soft green soundproofing, oh, and no windows. I'm sitting next to the studio phone, bent over my laptop, just working. When I get this text from Jason, dark night of the soul, I'm like, don't leave me hanging, man. What's going on? So I pick up the studio line and immediately try to call him.
3: Has been forwarded
2: to an automated voice messaging system.
0: And of course, no answer. Hey, Jason, it's Cooper. I, um. Uh... Would love to touch base today. It is 9.15. I'm calling from a studio. Yeah, I'm just, you know, interested to get the updates, etc. Uh, so I'll be here all day. All right, talk to you. A few days pass, a week. Meanwhile, I am obviously keeping my cool. No worries. A week and a half later, Jason finally calls me back. It sounds like It's raining.
1: It's snowing and the roads are wet.
0: Okay, good. So we're at peak danger. Unfortunately, he's in the car, but I take what I can get. He's on the way to his other job as an innovation advisor with a State Energy Research Authority.
1: Yeah, if I, I could spin out of control at 75 miles an hour and burst into a ball of flames on the phone with you right now, that could be, that could be some good radio.
0: That I, you know, would not be how I would want this podcast to end. I learned that Jason and Dimensional are questioning whether they should stay in the Carbon X Prize. It might just be too expensive if they have to buy this purification system that Brad laid out. A really wonky problem I did not see coming. Though thinking back, Tobias and Ithaca actually did mention it.
1: And we realized it's like. You know, upwards of 40% of our budget or 30% of our budget was going towards buying this CO2 capture unit, and we haven't even sorted out our own core technology. It just started to kind of agitate the team, and real, and we realized that, like, you know, we're overspending on something that doesn't really accelerate the technology maturation. So we became very adamant about only doing what was going to accelerate the technology, which is the point of the carbon drive. You know, the point is to go faster and get to market sooner.
0: When you were sent me that text, it, it made it sound like there was this very existential thing. Did you guys have a discussion about? Was there some? Was there yeah. actually some point that you were in debate about the future?
1: Right. So, so yeah. I mean, essentially, we came to a hard line. You know, we're, we're if we don't show up because we can't get a carbon capture unit installed for the right budget in the right timeline. We're we're not we're not going to do carbon capture on site at Dry Fork at all.
0: Just to repeat that, Jason is saying the goal here needs to be pushing the tech forward, not paying for some tech they don't need long term. If the company was further along, purification wouldn't be such an issue. So far, at least, they have not dropped out.
1: And so it it is a bit of a dark night of the soul kind of moment because we're like, hey, we we love doing this, but like. You know, we can't just show up at all costs.
0: I ask what the plan is. What'll decide whether you stay in or not? It could actually depend on the Carbon X Prize itself giving them a helping hand.
1: We've bootstrapped this in a different way than the other teams. Without that half million dollar cash purse going into the final round, you know, we've had a just different set of challenges. That's a significant amount of seed money to get going on. And, you know, not to mention the year of time that others had on us.
0: If the competition doesn't help, Jason says, look, dropping out of the competition wouldn't be so bad. With the money they've raised, they could hire three more people. He tells me they're in the process of setting up an outdoor lab site and could start advancing their technology that way instead of coming to Wyoming. But what about me? Good old Cooper Two Shoes would be disappointed if the team dropped out. For one, because they seem like a strong company, aside from this problem. Powered by the freaking sun. If they dropped out, it would also be a loss for the competition. Their technology is unique. Not only because it's solar powered, but because they have a path towards making jet fuel carbon neutral. I reach out to a few investors around this time, to learn if and why Dimensional is special. Cyril Yi says this business is compelling. He's with a group called Third Derivative that funds and scales up clean energy companies.
3: I really like this kind of process because I don't see great solutions from existing alternatives to decarbonize
0: long-haul transportation. It's true, there really aren't. Policy experts are calling airplane pollution a pressing crisis with increased pressure for the industry to reduce emissions, it accounts for between 3 and 4% of global human-made CO2 emissions. But there are so few actual ways to lower the emissions. Hydrogen fuel cells? Not yet. Electrification? Nope. A more renewable gas is a major potential solution. I spoke to another investor who thinks this company, Indimensional, has a lot going for it that they could even be game-changing. Here's Jason Cahill, who considered investing in Dimensional.
3: It has the right stuff to be game-changing technology. I think that whether it's ultimately, you know, a billion-dollar raging success, people often look at the technology more than the business. Like, there's so many use cases of how a third-rate technology wins out
0: Cahill says Dimensional could be very successful if they're able to make strong partnerships. And they are in a good position to do that, not just because of their tech, but because of Jason Salfie.
3: So I think their X factor really is passionate leadership. Like, I'm not discounting their technology. I think they have great technology. But I think that there are a lot of companies with great technology. I think the fact they've gotten as far as they have and that Carbon X is even on the table is because of Jason and his passion and his energy around what they're doing.
0: I have a few takeaways from these conversations. Dimensional is still young and their future is uncertain. They're at an important moment right now in their progress and the X prize seems like part of that. It has momentum. Dropping out of the competition seems like a momentum stopper. So, as Jason is still on the road at peak danger, I ask him about that. Wouldn't it be would it be Disappointing to you, or how would you feel if you did decide to pull out of the competition?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it, w- it would be it would be disappointing. I think that, faced with the prospect of not doing it, I realized that I had invested quite a bit of, you know, psychic energy into it, manifesting this, making it happen.
0: Several weeks go by. And my stomach still feels like concrete, not hearing whether they're staying in the competition or what. I just have a feeling that Jason is going to make the decision and forget to tell me. Actually, though, it's the opposite. Jason set up a meeting of the minds to have an in-depth discussion about the Carbon X Prize. Should we stay or should we go?
1: wants to start? Um, why don't we start about that? Let's give Brian another couple minutes to show up and then let's just start airing some sort of ideas around <laughs> pros and cons to, to taking it to Wyoming right now. Anybody can start. You should start, Jason. All right. <laughs> I'll take that as a nomination to It's now January of
0: 2020. Jason is in a Zoom call alongside a few other members of the team, Brad Brennan, Marcelo Mata, and Brian Bowman. Jason has the camera pulled up high so you can only see his head. He's sitting in front of a window too, so everything looks kind of silhouette I
1: I don't want to bias the conversation in any way because I would like to kind of hear you know, what, what's on everybody's mind, but um, I'm, I'm fairly excited about the current track to set this thing up in New York State and operate from here and see how we're doing. And come March, press go on loading everything up on a flatbed and driving it out to Wyoming. If if we're indeed looking viable, if, you know, basically for me, I think it just comes down to, to some strict boundaries on, on budget. On the one hand, doing what we say we are gonna do, I, I just, I like the follow through.
0: Jason seems to be on the let's do this train. He says investors, corporate partners, a whole lot of people are expected to see them go to Wyoming, collect data, have it tracked, verified. So he's in, unless doing that is crazy over budget.
1: So as you can see, I'm I'm committed to getting there and making it happen, but not at all costs. So I'll, I'll just open it up from there.
0: Brad Brennan goes next. And as you might guess, he's pretty skeptical of staying in the competition. Sure, it'd be a nice thing to market on, a good way to collect data. But Jason's already good at finding investors.
2: I am not optimistic about a number of things about getting a CO2 purification system, especially at a reasonable price. And I am worried about budget because there are some hires we want to make. And I'd rather have the hires actually get a really good amount of work done as opposed to studying it on CO2 purification system, which that itself could fund three people for a year.
0: (laughs) Hires which ideally would include more women, as dimensionals currently lacking, as you can hear. That might seem like a random point to mention, but it is an important consideration as they discuss their future. There is endless research about the importance of gender diversity in the workplace, that women improve communication are better at working out compromises, result in greater profitability. And who knows, maybe a different staff would have a different perspective on handling the purified CO2 problem. Maybe they would have spotted it earlier, rather than it all coming to a head now. Basically, one of the benefits of not sticking with the Prize, an expanded team. Apparently though, purification wouldn't be such a problem if they were in a different situation. If their technology was further along, perhaps their budget would be larger and it wouldn't cost, like, all their money. Or they would work with the CO2 provider to get the system. And as for the possibility of losing investors, Brad thinks they would understand. Marcelo Mata, the process engineer, is in between Jason and Brad. He's wearing red headphones and a blue hoodie and says there are some engineering steps that they still have to tackle, safety regulations, steps that are definitely hard to plan for. So his solution... What if we just tried to delay? It will be very, not
2: very, but kind of expensive to get the stamps and get everything certified. So I think it's a a good decision to delay a little bit so we can start trying things
3: here.
0: Nothing was decided at the meeting. Weeks go by, a month. I'm thinking... They gotta make a decision soon, right? Then again, the decision can't be rushed because it has serious long-term implications. If Dimensional decides to commit to the XPRIZE, that would mean a serious investment, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It would slash months off their cash reserves and put their future at risk. And what if it doesn't turn out to be worth the money? On the other hand, the competition is a motivator, a way to collect great data a big leap of faith now could result in way more investment dollars down the road. While Dimensional moles this existential question, it has me thinking about the value of a prize like this. Is the competition working as intended if a team has to slash their budget to stay in? Can all this actually help Wyoming and its goal of keeping coal viable, or just expand this industry? After all, most of the companies that will be at the ITC are expected to be these early stage companies ironing out little issues like this? We'll explore all those questions after the break and see if Dimensional and Jason have finally made a decision. I wanna recommend another show I think you'll love. Solvable is a weekly podcast where host Ronald Young Jr. asks how we can find solutions to some of the biggest issues of our time. You'll hear David Baltimore on AIDS, Sal Khan on basic education, and Roseanne Haggerty on homelessness. Recent episodes have focused on global hunger, our addiction to fossil fuels, eco-friendly transportation, and body positivity. These are the problems that seem too big or too complicated to fix. But in the hands of the right people, activists, scientists, policymakers, and politicians at the top of their fields, there are ways to solve them. That's the hopeful message of Solvable. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It's now February of 2020. I'm still holed up in the basement of Wyoming Public Radio. My back hurts from leaning over my computer for so many freaking hours. Two months have gone by as Jason and Dimensional wrestle with a key question. Should they stay in the competition? Or are there just too many barriers? Throughout this whole period, I've been asking myself, is this struggle a feature of the competition, or is it a bug? For Dimensional, staying in would mean paying for something that wouldn't further their tech. But maybe it's a lesson for what they'll face in the real world, that this need is a larger problem for their economic viability. As Jason decides whether Dimensional will stay in the Carbon X Prize, I want to explore the role of competitions in advancing a field. Are they an effective way to move it forward? Not necessarily just with the X Prize, but with all of them. We're seeing more and more of these big, exciting prizes that get a lot of attention. There are certainly examples of past prizes that folks credit with moving an industry forward. Like DARPA's Grand Challenge which helped lead to a decade of progress in developing autonomous vehicles. Or a $500,000 prize that led to a team from IBM to develop a computer that could beat the world champion in chess, which helped launch a new era in artificial intelligence. Oh, and don't forget the very famous Ansari X Prize. It was actually this prize that got Wyoming leaders excited about the potential of competitions. Here's Mike Easley. Who was instrumental under Governor Matt Mead in attracting the Carbon X Prize to Wyoming? It's
1: like the, you know, the, uh, the first X Prize, the Ansari X Prize, was I, I think it was a $10 million prize purse for the first private company that could take, build a spaceship and launch it 100 kilometers, I think was the number, into space. That actually launched the private space industry. And now look what just happened last week you got SpaceX having the first manned flight in 10 years. Not a direct correlation, but what does that look like for Wyoming? You know, with Wyoming's investment in the ITC saying we want to we put this together.
0: For Wyoming, the appeal is clear. Prizes are a way to make something out of nothing. If it can help launch a private space industry, why not something a tad simpler, giving coal's waste value? But how will anyone actually determine whether the prize helped move the field forward in the state? By a measure of new tenants? Or is it like hedging your bets, that this is one of a whole bunch of efforts to move the field forward? Maybe one of them will stick. Not everyone is quite as on board with the idea that prizes are all that. Here's Kevin Starr, a philanthropist.
3: Like everything else, we need evidence. I'm unaware of any evidence that prizes push things faster.
0: Kevin is a soft-spoken yet charismatic guy. With many smile lines and a simple sense of style, he looks natural speaking to a large crowd. He wrote an article in the Stanford Social Innovation Review called Dump the Prizes, which was not specifically about any X-prize competition. Kevin lays out a bunch of reasons why he's leery of these prizes, including the basic premise that they move fields forward.
3: People like me might be entirely wrong about them, that they're an essential part of surfacing and accelerating great solutions. I do think it's on the, you know, it's the burden of proof is on those who are asking all these people to apply.
0: I'm surprised to find there are books, essays, editorials, all raising questions around competitions too. How they might lead to rushed decisions, suppressed creativity, or advancing a flawed idea because of the time crunch. Duplication of efforts and less sharing of ideas, leading to reduced scientific progress. That competitions have become more popular due to the lack of funding in science. So some are saying, why not just put some of this money towards more stable efforts? especially given the stakes for scientific conclusions, can be so high. All this obviously made me think about XPRIZE competitions. Are they always successful? It turns out there are actually two Prize competitions that attracted some controversy after not turning out quite as planned. The Archon Genomics Prize ended up having to suddenly cancel before it even started. The Google Lunar XPRIZE also had to make delay after delay finding that none of the teams were close to executing the mission. In other words, the Prize Foundation itself has seen some of the downsides of the prize structure. I asked Marcus about both these events, given the Carbon Prize has had to delay too.
4: I'll, I'll, I'll push back on the idea that X prizes have been canceled. Um, I think we've executed, uh, I don't know, so close to 18 prizes maybe, and with the, those two exceptions.
0: One other problem that Kevin Starr mentioned really stuck out to me too.
3: But I really started to hear from the doers that this was often kind of an oppressive process that demanded a lot of time for net very little resources overall.
0: As I thought more about it, it's not even the first Prize finalist to take issue with all the resources needed just to participate. I suddenly remembered an early interview with the team Carbacry. They're the team that Dimensional replaced, their reason for dropping out of the competition was actually similar to what Jason is facing now. It just demanded too much money to participate. Here's the CEO, Chris Stern.
2: Yeah, my name is Chris Stern. I'm uh, from Montreal, Canada, and that's where I'm residing right now. And I'm the CEO of Carbocrete, the developer of cement-free carbon-negative concrete.
0: If that sounds familiar, it's because there are several companies in the XPRIZE that are looking to make concrete using carbon dioxide. Chris says the Carbon X Prize was a leap of faith from the get-go.
2: The first step was to, <laughs> for us to uh, pony up $8,000. Uh, yeah, so that obviously took a bit of uh, you know, a leap of faith.
0: But once they were accepted, that just opened a whole new can of worms. Even with the 500,000 bucks they got just for becoming a finalist, they would have to invest way more to scale up their tech and actually demonstrate in the real world.
2: Basically, it was going to cost us between 6 and $8 million to compete in Alberta, which is about the prize money value, should we have won. So it was, it would have been a huge investment and diversion of funds.
0: Kevin Starr says that concept right there is often part of the competition. That they're built on finalists spending all this money on the process itself, helping move the field forward that way, as Jason is experiencing now even if there's a possibility that they would come out with nothing. Kevin's larger point, he just doesn't think prizes are worth it as a strategy to move fields forward.
3: A one winner big prize is utterly silly. And if you're serious about moving that sector forward, why would you just bet on one thing? You'd want to hedge your bets among you know, at least several, several ideas. And again, you have just one winner. You have literally wasted shocking amounts of doer's time.
0: I go back to talk to Jason about all this and try to gauge whether any of this criticism squares with his own experience. Since the very beginning, he's been on board with the competition structure. It's a way to organize, help them move faster, a great marketing opportunity. But some of the prize criticism does land for him. For one, the cost of participation. But also, deciding one winner at the end of this, he says, does feel a bit strange.
1: For carbon dioxide utilization, there really isn't going to be like a single champion. It's like, it's kind of like putting a basketball player against a golfer and saying, all right, who's going to be the champion today? Like, well, what sport are we playing? Well, you guys are both good at sports, so we're playing sports
0: because for Dimensional, they're not like the other teams. They're not plugging into the grid. They're generating their own power using the sun. They could help make jet fuel reach carbon neutrality. There are very few other companies looking down this path of carbon capture utilization versus a more common one like CO2 to concrete. With the competition though, their uniqueness doesn't put them at an advantage. In fact, it could be the opposite because using solar energy also means they're working on an additional component of technology that other teams are not.
1: I don't think it should be a qualitative judgment call. It shouldn't be like a gymnastics competition judging like two different, <laughs> two different types of athletes for their prowess at using a certain feedstock if there's really no way to compare, say, concrete production to syngas production or methanol production.
0: So, I ask what he would like to see. Jason says, if a team finishes with a successful demonstration, each would receive a $2 million payout. Kevin Starr agrees with the general concept of splitting up prize money. In his article, one of the ways to fix the prize structure, just pick multiple winners with smaller payouts. That can make the whole thing less volatile. Okay. So those are the downsides. There are also many who appreciate the prize structure. It can be a game changer for whole industries. Many find that it's an impressive motivator, can foster cooperation. I heard it incentivizes creativity and can inspire early stage investment that might not otherwise happen. One economist called prizes a lottery ticket and people play the lottery. I asked Marcus Extivore, the CarbonX Prize lead, about all this. And he has a good point. Competitions are not meant to be the only way to spur innovation. It's one piece of a larger puzzle.
4: In my opinion, an incentive prize only works if there are other mechanisms to support innovation, like commercial contracts, like government action, like grants uh, for basic R&D. That's where teams get funding to compete in a prize. But I think what a prize can do is like, try to pull a lot of those things together and showcase what, what's possible.
0: I'm still wondering though, if Jason has to drop out because they can't afford it, is that a flaw of the competition or a sign of a larger problem with the company itself? From the very beginning, Marcus has said that not every company would make it. That's just the nature of these things. I want to hear from the other XPRIZE finalists too. And the consensus was that the visibility from this competition is a big reason for their involvement.
1: I mean, the money is definitely like a draw to it. And then we really see it as, like, we are using this to show to a very broad audience what we can do and that there's a future
4: for technologies that use CO2 to make concrete. Uh, so, x is a good platform. I mean, as of now, we are seeing x is a good platform to show that uh, our uh, technology and our scale. That's, what, that's the way we are taking it.
0: We're talking about all this for a specific reason, though. One company might have to drop out because it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars just to play the game. Force them to make a massive leap of faith that could endanger the company's finances if it doesn't work out. Working out would mean collecting enough good data that could attract new investors. Not working out would mean spending tons of money and coming out with nothing. So what are they going to do? How is, how, is, how is it ringing and I'm talking to you? It's now February of 2020. Jason really has to make a decision. Shell out for a purification system or cut his losses and drop out.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been super hectic. Um, yesterday was like we just evolved into call after call after call.
0: It turns out Jason has made a decision. What if I just kept that going? For like the rest of the episode.
1: Yeah, we're we're all in. Yeah. I'm basically like spending all all of our. I've got, like, 14 months of burn in the bank, basically, and I'm, like, cutting that down to eight by spending tons of cash reserves that I have right now on standing up our our thing for XPRIZE. Just totally going all in,
0: 110%. So you just woke we up we one day?
1: In. We just dropped in. <laughs> that, that, um, is that
0: your skateboard history talking?
1: Yeah, exactly. Commit or die.
0: So you just woke up, and we're like, "All right, guys, we got a plan."
1: Well, no, I mean, it wasn't me just waking up. I mean, the team. You know, it's really. I mean, what's amazing is every day I see the work, or I've seen the work progress over the last two months. I've realized that there there were way deeper talent than I ever knew on the team already, and seeing the drawings, seeing the designs, seeing the vision come out of Brad, Mahir, Marcel, and Brian has been basically made, made me commit on a whole new level. Um, we're not just gonna go to Wyoming and collect some field data and then share it with a bunch of industrial partners and potential investors for a Series A round. We're just gonna drop in and do this and, and try to win the seven and a half million bucks.
0: So Jason is explaining why they're staying in, which is good to know. But I wanna know, like, how it happened. Was there a vote or what? It turns out, Jason had the final call.
1: It was a a little bit of, like, the benevolent dictator Jason. Got it.
0: (laughs) This is a tad unexpected after that very Democratic Zoom call. But Jason says Dimensional had already raised a lot of money around XPRIZE. The team had planned to collect their data through the competition, and their investors expected that too.
1: Like, it would have been kind of like turning around in the middle of the climb in a way, because I'd already raised a pretty significant amount of capital that was already kind of spent.
0: They're now only four months from the end of the competition. All the data collected and everything. The plan is to drive out to Wyoming in March and be all set up in April. But there are still open questions, like, How are they actually going to purify their carbon dioxide? Jason says, well, they're going to just have to raise another quarter of a million bucks, otherwise known as 45% of their budget. The decision will chop four months of cash reserves off. If they don't raise money off this, it could mean missing payroll for employees. In other words, it's a huge risk. It's not surprising to me, though, that Jason would choose the risky option and not even seem worried about it. That's sort of his way, as I've come to see it. So, Dimensional is going to stay in. And not because the Carbon X Prize helped pay for a purification system, but because Jason thinks it could be worth it. Though, it is going to be a pain to raise all that money.
1: That's going to be hectic, because you know, pulling a quarter million dollars out of the hat uh, in, in the course of a month is going to be a little bit of a lift. So, I will be busy, and I can no longer talk to you
0: <laughs> I refuse to accept that. Um, first, Jason, though, is confident in the team. He's surprised by their level of talent. Plus, he feels they're making good progress, starting to build their outdoor location, developing a new reactor that can take more readily accessible catalysts. And Jason's decided to hire some consultants. I saw in Ithaca, you were mentioning, oh, you know, maybe hiring women could be a priority are these two people you hired as women?
1: No, unfortunately not. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we are simply not getting applications from from women.
0: After reporting in the field of carbon capture for a few years, it definitely feels like there are generally fewer women than men. More often than not, in the whole energy world, when reaching out to a company or organization, I'm connected first to a dude. Point is, this super male environment also holds true within the Wyoming side of the Carbon X Prize and with dimensional energy itself, which right now may be a talented team, but not a particularly gender diverse one. So the question is, what's going on? I asked Jason if they searched out STEM job pages intended for women or anything like that. Jason says they don't currently have a process in place to make sure they attract more women. Therefore, they're getting crappy results. He's trying to change that moving forward. For now, though, it hasn't happened. Once again, it raises the question, what are the risks of having a talented team if it's not gender diverse? Beyond Dimensional, is the field as strong as it could be? I ask around to learn more. I ask Emily Carter, who's executive vice chancellor, provost, and a professor of chemical and biomolecular engineering at UCLA. She's also connected to the team out of there at CO2 Concrete. She says there aren't just few women in carbon capture, it's really the STEM field more
4: broadly. All of this starts in, I used to say kindergarten, but somebody said to me it was probably nursery school. The point is that until society stops telling little girls that uh, they shouldn't study math and science or that they don't have an affinity or a talent for it, then we won't see parity in engineering and science. Then until we do, then we can't expect to see a lot of women, you know, competing for the X Prize.
0: Coincidentally, there's a company called Opus Twelve that's actually doing work not too different from Dimensional. They are further along with quite a few partners. It was founded by two women. Going forward, it's another thread to follow with Dimensional. A company that will stick with the Carbon X Prize take a leap of faith and spend a big pot of cash to make it happen. For Ole Cooper, I'm sitting in a windowless basement studio hearing howls of the constant wind outside. For me, it's great to see this company sticking with the competition. The story may have ended sooner if they dropped out. But after talking to several investors, it also feels like they can, even should win, right? have a particularly unique technology, could address an industry few others are targeting, and may even be the strongest in terms of climate impact. With all that in mind, I wondered how the Carbon X Prize itself felt about a team nearly dropping out — this team. Is that a red flag where you're like, shoot, we gotta stop them? Or is it just, hey, that's part of the game? So I asked Marcus Extivore about it. Look, I mean, generally speaking, sure, it's a big deal. We
4: We don't want teams to withdraw from the competition because we want to give them the opportunity to to demonstrate. But at the same time, we're very sensitive to not put pressure on teams because we understand that sometimes things happen. What we try to do is just give every team every opportunity and not push anyone out. Our goal, you know, if we step back, the broader goal is showcase great companies and technologies in this field, uh, draw attention to them, start a conversation about what this means and the broader implications for climate. So we think that's best served by seeing the maximum possible successful demonstrations. And so we tried very hard to make it possible for teams to stay inside the competition. But look, sometimes it happens that teams have to go another way for business reasons or for other reasons. So we, we try to walk that line, I think, with them.
0: And it turns out the competition sees the value in keeping this team in particular too.
4: They actually have a pretty unique technology and that's really great. It's great for the competition. It's great for the space, and that's sort of what we're here for. I don't mind saying that we think Jason Selfy is great. He's a great leader, and their technology is really interesting. But at the end of the day, it's not about my opinion about what's interesting or
3: not.
0: It's now February of 2020, and Dimensional Energy is committed—well, recommitted—to the Carbon X Prize after months of speculation, and the stakes are clear. If the competition doesn't result in Dimensional raising more money later, it'll have purely been a way to burn their cash reserves. Jason isn't too worried though. He's confident in his team and sees the value of the prize beyond just winning the 7.5 million bucks. Yeah, that old thing, the shiny holy grail at the end of the tunnel. It seemed kind of unattainable, but it really isn't. Dimensional may have made a decision but really nothing has been figured out. There's still a whole lot of competition left. It's not clear if Dimensional will even raise the money to pay for the system, or that they'll be the winner at the end of all this. The anti-Jason, i.e. Brad Brennan, is highly aware of all these
2: facts. I never believed that we'd be winning XPRIZE. So, you know, this was more of just a way for us to get our, our data on a site, good field data which we still want to do. You Uh, never
0: believed you'd win the competition. That's kind of sad.
2: It is sad, but that's because we knew that UCLA was going to get there. UCLA has a very simple technology of just basically putting CO2 into cement. So (laughs) it's a pretty easy process and it's really hard to mess up and you can do it on a pretty reasonable scale.
0: Hot dang, let the trash talk begin. I thought I would start digging deeper into comparing companies when we're actually on site. But here we are, the end of the competition, coming fast, and still no one is actually in Wyoming. Wasn't that the point of hosting the competition, though? Honestly, I thought the point of the competition was providing a bunch of long-term tenants to the ITC to showcase why it's unique. That, hey world, Wyoming can be a carbon valley, starting with companies like these. That would also give me a better sense of which team is better. It hasn't happened, though. And I still want to know who's better. So I'll try to judge from afar. Concrete, honestly, is a great industry to target. Albeit it is one of the more common industries to target, as we've heard. Making the resource without cement using CO2 could be huge. Like aviation, cement is very difficult to decarbonize. In fact, it contributes between 7 and 8% of global CO2 emissions, compared to the 3 or 4% in aviation. Here's the thing. The UCLA team tells me they're not planning on reaching carbon neutrality, but their technology would reduce the footprint of typical concrete between 60 and 80%. That's according to Rahul Shendere, CEO of the company. He says they could reach carbon neutrality.
1: But if it costs double or triple or quadruple the amount of a regular block, nobody's going to buy it, right? So it, it, you're you're much better off producing something that is economically viable and takes out 60 to 80% of the carbon because you're going to sell, you're, you're going to reduce more carbon in the end.
0: As Brad says, CO2 concrete's process is actually relatively simple. But simplicity is a strength. CO2 concrete is able to use readily accessible technology and materials to accomplish their goals, which reduces their cost. They don't have to purify their CO2, which again, reduces their cost. And Rahul tells me two other primary fields in carbon capture utilization that produce aggregate and fuels are at a much lower price point than concrete.
1: Which means the technology for utilization has to get that much better before it is economically viable.
0: So the competition is strong here. Perhaps CO2 concrete isn't planning on being fully carbon neutral, but they could get to market faster. Either way, Brad says he believes the prize is skewed towards concrete production.
2: pretty much the only usable thing you can make cheaply and easily at scale with just pure flue gas from a power plant.
0: As a bystander, I feel torn. Like Jason said early on, all of these technologies are necessary to address climate change. As far as this one competition, it would be fun to see Dimensional win. To some extent, it feels like they should win if they're planning to scale up with an eye on carbon neutrality and being driven by renewables. Though, if they're not able to scale up, Rahul is right. They wouldn't make as much of a difference. It's tough. I really want to see the teams actually operate on the ground to really get a sense of these two companies. Next episode, that's finally set to happen. We get to watch firsthand if some of this sped up technology development can pay off for the climate or for Wyoming's coal industry. Wait, what's that? Oh God, I'm receiving news that a pandemic is going to screw everything up.
4: Throughout the world it has been a day-by-day situation there's news changing and now everyone is just sort of in schedule turmoil.
0: And the delays and lack of XPRIZE presence in Wyoming isn't sitting well in Gillette. It's
4: been, you know, two years since we've really talked about it. So I guess it wasn't as uh, visible. They weren't as visible as I thought they would be.
0: The show is produced by Noah Greenspan and me, Cooper McCann. Anna Rader is our digital producer. Aaron Jones is senior producer. Story editing courtesy of Melody Edwards, Anna Rader, Aaron Jones, and Noah Greenspan. We had production assistance from Micah Schweitzer and Chet Lewis. Our theme music is by Mark Juliana, with the music you're hearing now by Vegas. Find other credits online. Carbon Valley is a production of Wyoming Public Media.
4: All of us were driving the bus, uh, I'm sorry, the van down into town to go to the event that Comet hosts, it's called the Ithaca Skate Jam. And Salfie was gonna ride his bike into town. But yeah, he just casually gets cut off by um, a car that almost hit him, like almost pancaked him. And he just, smooth as could be, I'm driving the van, just smashed their mirror. Just casual. It wasn't out of step. It was just, he has this beautiful, aggressive, hockey, upstate New York. Like, it is so counter to my whole California identity. The older I
0: get, you know, I'm figuring out. Okay, I got to do probiotics. I got to do vitamin B. I got to do this and that. Turns out, I, like iced coffee or or cold brew may actually be better for your system. Certain things disagree with you, so it might be a smart thing.
1: I like I like like the way you say the older I get. I'm, I I I feel like I'm looking at like a 12 year old on the Zoom call right now. You look. So, <laughs> you're,
0: are
1: you even 25 yet? Come on, yeah, man. I'm 25.
0: If you like what you're hearing, and even if you don't, we would love to hear about it. Take a moment right now to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. It'll help new listeners discover Carbon Valley so we can keep bringing you stories about one state's economic future.